welcome back to a slightly sad but always philosophical What the Fork Sunderland review show. It wasn't really the performance or the end of the season we probably hoped or, or deserved in many ways, but after a season of, of huge achievement, we're back for one final review show of this season as we run over Sunderland's 2-0 defeat at Kenilworth Road to Luton and obviously 3-2 aggregate defeat. Um, because we're recording midday, there's only one man joining me today, uh, the excellent Dave Lawrence as always. We're not in the spirits that we were in on Saturday, Dave, but um, how are you doing, mate? You all right? Yeah, very well. I think uh, I think you've summed it up perfectly with philosophical. There's there's enough uh, positives to, to come out of that, to soften the blow, shall we say. Um, full credit to Luton. They were effective. They did what they had to do. Um, they stopped us from doing what we needed to do. And... Onwards and upwards. See where the roller coaster takes us next, I guess. Yeah, I think so. I agree with that. Um, and obviously, I want to start from the top in saying credit to Luton. Look, it isn't pretty, but when the Sunderland fans ever cared about whether the football's that pretty, we're just being lucky that it has been this season. I think it was effective, and I think we knew what was coming. Obviously, the two corners in both legs have kind of killed us a little bit, both in the tenth minute, I think. But we're playing with a back three of Lyndon Gooch, Trey Human. In Luke 09, which I think if anyone had said that at the start of the season, you'd probably panic a little bit. And ultimately, it was just one step too far. And it's not fine because you'd never want to lose a game, but it's, it's, there's reasons behind why what happened last night happened. And I'm not going to let it sour what's been probably my favorite season in at least a decade, if not more. Um, but we will get sort of straight to it, Dave. Obviously, we're going to come into the, the season because it's hard not to, especially when you come to the end of it. We're going to do a season review whenever the emotion and the, the rawness has gone up completely with all of us. Um, but we're talking less than 24 hours after that defeat. Like, how are you feeling about the performance and the result on the day? Like, take out the context of the season, like the performance itself. Yeah, I, I think for me, I, I, keep, I keep referring back in my head to the fact that Luton didn't allow us to play the football that we like to play. I think that uh, I don't think there was any lack of endeavour. I don't think there was any lack of trying. And there is certainly squads, teams over previous seasons that we can we can accuse them of that. So that's a nice feeling. Uh, I think pretty much damp squib is kind of the. Is kind of all I can come up with. Very flat. Um, we didn't show up, and that comes. You said it a lot with Alex Pritchard the last eighteen months. The reason it, the reason we didn't show up, or not necessarily didn't show up, but the reason it feels as though we didn't show up was because of how high the standards have been for so long, and that's kind of what underwhelms you a little bit. Listen. There you go. There's the first one of the day. <laughs> There's bound to be a few more. Uh, un- underwhelmed. Underwhelmed. I, I I think I said in the group last night, we'd go 1-0 down. How can we respond? We just didn't have anything. Could, could we have maybe, you know, last 10 minutes? Is there a case for us? We've been a little bit stubborn and we haven't, we haven't, put Alessio up there and, and thrown the ball up. I don't know. Who knows? You know, it, it's all ifs and buts. But, yeah, um, 
frustrating, but not, but not the end of the world, which I never thought I'd say when you get to a semi semi final. Of course, now and to try not to 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 tread on the toes of the season review, which we'll end up doing next season, is massive. There is expectation already that we go close and. Who do we add to it? Who do we bring in? <laughs> who who do we who do we have as manager? I guess <laughs> the sounds as though it could be the first point of call. Uh yeah. Looking forward to it. Summer, it's out the way. Recuperate some of the injuries. Looking forward to having Roscoe back. Hopefully, um, a lot of things to be excited about. Yeah. But last night just flattens it out a little bit. It just feels a little bit flat, doesn't it? And that's a shame for how many highs we've had this season. Yeah, I think so, absolutely. And I think, you know, when we first got in the playoffs, I was thinking, you know, a day at Wembley would be nice. That's about as far as I think my expectations went. I knew what the side was capable of, 100%. Do I think we were capable of getting past Luton last night? Yeah, I really do. Um, And I can't help but think if Danny Bart or Dan Ballard's in that defence, neither of the corners, neither game gets scored. But... That's kind of where we're at, and it's spilt milk at this point. There's not much you can really do about it. We didn't handle it with the players we had on the pitch, and that's kind of credit Luton. Like I said, look, it's not pretty, and our football is particularly pretty, but we've been on the opposite side a few times, and when we ever cared about it, so you know, it's no you play to your strengths, and I think Luton really do, and there's a reason they finished 11 points ahead of us. I found it interesting that both of us have like brilliant away forms, and yet it was the home games that technically we both won, um, which just goes to show probably the importance of the crowd, but I think there's been a lot made about the atmosphere of Kenilworth Road and how, you know, Sunderland didn't handle it. I honestly don't think it was that. I don't think any of the players ever look overawed in any way, shape, side of the form. I think it's just down to you. They're absolute giants. They're one of the biggest teams in the league anyway. We're not with all our players fit. Yeah, I mean, you're looking at who could defend that corner or both corners or the balls into the box. You've got Roscoe, Danny Bart, Ballard, just off the top of my head. But outside of that, there's not a great deal. And I think, you know, we didn't have any of those big players and we're not exactly that good from set pieces anyway. I think it was a case of the players that on that pitch could not handle what Luton threw at us. It's not our first team. It hasn't been our first team for a while. And, you know, I'm not making excuses for it, but that's really difficult to handle because Luton are a good side at what they do. And they're third for a reason and they'll cause... Coventry or Middlesbrough in the final problems as well. In many ways, it might have been easier to play Middlesbrough or Coventry because they're a little bit more our style, um, or, or less physical than Luton. But you know, it is what it is. It's Luton that we had to beat and, and Luton that we didn't. Um, it wasn't really befitting of our season. Those the performance, I think, is is kind of what I'm getting at because we've been so exciting and fast paced and turned up when you least expected it. And on, on Saturday, we were excellent against a side that was just as physical. But I think ultimately, it was, just, it was one game too far. Tony Mowbray said it. And it's really, really difficult to sort of get around that, I think. Um, but there is a feeling, despite the performance and despite the result, sort of a weird feeling of sadness because, you know, if you support football, it's a competitive sport. You don't want to ever lose any game at any point, especially that magnitude. But it's mixed with real genuine belief. Now, I remember last night, and I don't know why it came to me, and there'll be some of us old enough to remember it, some of us that won't. Me and you, Dave, will both be old enough to remember this. But um, I remember how drained I felt as an 11-year-old after Sunderland Charlton at Wembley 
And I remember it felt like the end of the world at the time. But at the same time, we hadn't started that season very well and we gradually came into it. So I'd seen these young players like Jody Craddock, um, it was Darren Williams at the time, Kevin Phillips, Niall Quinn was kind of the, the Indian summer as it was at the time, Alex Ray, um, Kevin Ball, Alan Johnson. And there was a real feel of something building in that team and that as exhausting as that defeat was, because obviously we took the lead three times in the game, once in extra time as well, of course, scored six penalties and then still lost. And I remember Quinny came out and he said, you know, we'll, we'll win the league next season then. And then, as everyone knows, we went on a winner with what at the time was a record points total. And I'm not saying we're going to go and win the league with 100 points because we know who said that last time and it didn't work out very well. But in terms of the feeling like around the club, the reason it probably feels flat and a bit weird at the same time is because it doesn't feel like the end of anything. It feels like the start of something. Um, it doesn't feel like that's our final chance and that's it, we're done and oh man, we'll never get that opportunity again. It does feel like this is the start of something and that the the process has been accelerated. Does it feel the same way for you, Dave? Because it does feel like the fan base is ready for something to start here as opposed to something just ending. Definitely. Um, it'll be, I feel as though being, <sighs> momentum, psychology in football is huge, always has been. It's probably just more prominent nowadays. And I feel as though there'll be a lot of players within that squad who feel as though the or to the fans, to themselves, to the club, to go and have a full steam ahead tilted at next season. Really, really give it a go and try and win the league. And I, I genuinely feel as though there's a lot of them in there. Of course, there's mitigating circumstances left, right and centre of, yes, we know Ahmad won't be there, which is a shame. Um, and of course, there's going to be interest in some of the players. How can there not be interest when you've performed to the level that we have? But I genuinely think because of the togetherness, I said this in, in League One, and I, I, I firmly believe this is why we ended up with the likes of Patrick Roberts, Jack Clark and Alex Pritchard in League One, because... Let's be honest, they, they should not be playing football at that level. Um, and I think they've probably they've probably made it known that they should be playing a higher level football than this, especially Patrick Roberts and Jack Clark. Um, Saturday. Saturday is the standard of what they can expect to play in week in, week out, if things go right. Uh, I've alluded to Grayson and he's turning the juggernaut round and, and getting her going up the up the river the right way. I genuinely think this is it. This is the chance to now press on. It's going to take, okay, there's, there's the talk of Bellingham and, and people like that. It'll take another two, maybe three Corey Evans-type signings just to integrate in. Loan signings. We've been pulling them out the pulling them out the woodwork for about 18 months now of, of great loan signings. I think this squad is, I've heard people say eight players away. I think this squad is probably three, four players away, two of which are very experienced. But I said it before, and I'll say it again, and if there was some form of miracle and some God out there, Jordan Henderson 
it's never going to happen. It's pure nostalgia. But I don't think he'd care about the money. I think if Klopp sat down and said, listen, you're in your peak, you're not going to get much football time here. Okay. I suppose if a, a Real Madrid or Barcelona come in, he's he's off to somewhere like that. Do I think that they will? Probably not. But if you could sit him down and go, come and do your badges. Yes, we can only give you 15 grand a week. Would he fancy it? Not to sure. Not to sure. But I think that is the type of signing with the engine that he's got, the personality that he's got, things like that. I think two two of them types of signings and then two exciting youngsters. And I think we're well on our way to competing in the top two, personally. Regarding Hendo, I think there's more chance of me waking up with Margot Robbie sat in my bed and Angelina Jolie on the opposite side. If I'm completely not the honest with you, but I like the wishful thinking, Dave. And, and if if I'm being completely honest as well, there isn't a single part of me that thinks it will happen either. However, I think that profile and that character is exactly what we need. Someone who will get in the changing room, keep it all pulled together, big personality, knows exactly how it's like to play in front of the club. Yeah, I suppose you've got to, yeah, you've got to lessen your, lessen you know, your expectations. You know, though, there there is an element of like last night you did. So we've mentioned Corey Evans there. We're talking about like having that experience, had that pulled things together. I really think we missed Danny Bart, not just in physicality last night. I think in exactly what you've just mentioned just there, and obviously he'll be back next year. Um, I, you know, the thoughts will turn to this, and we're all going to come on to it of like especially in the season review and be much more in depth about who stays, who goes, where we need to add to stuff. But before I move away from the game completely, because I suppose we're on a, rea- a reaction slash review show, it's it's kind of hard just to react to just the game itself because in isolation, it wasn't a good performance. It, now we're out and that's it. There's, there's so much more to take in, but I'm not sure we would have deserved to go through yesterday based on the performance. I think Luton did deserve it, but two big talking points from the game we haven't spoke about referees for weeks. They've actually been all right for a while, but first one penalty for the handball and then the foul on Daniel, which bizarrely was given against Daniel and given a yellow card when it's quite clear that his ankle has been stood on. We haven't got angry at rest for a few weeks, but but those are game changing. Um, what were your th- thoughts on both? Because I thought eight was a pen and I think there's an argument for a red card on their both, but I am very, very biased sometimes. No, I'm... I'm... I'm with you. I was um I was speaking to uh Glenn Little, unfortunately one of the guys who who beat the uh beat the hundred and five record points. Um But he did rugby. play for Reading to be fair, which is Reading after all. Yeah, that's very the true. most nondescript club in the history of football. I never make outlandish <laughs> statements, but they are the most nondescript club that ever existed. They're literally called reading, which makes them sound boring. Sorry, well, Glenn, sorry Mike. Redden. My God, he doesn't like he doesn't half like throwing it in my face that they've got that hundred and six points and it gets to around about March of every year and he goes, Oh my god, Burnley can still do it. I need them to drop six points. I'm like, Are you living off that hundred and six points by any chance, Glenn? If you're listening, Reddit, <laughs> nobody cares, mate. Right? <laughs> nobody cares. <laughs> Andy Carroll writes um, everything in block capitals. Oh, capital, <laughs> capitalization. Nobody cares, right? Really. <laughs> um, 
And he, he said, oh, I, I think with VAR, I don't think that gets overturned. And I said, well, of watching the clips of, uh, was it Arsenal-Newcastle, where they've overturned Aye. the, yeah. So one has come off his thigh and they've said, they, they feel as though his arms moving behind his back to try and pull away from the ball. So based on that theory, and we all know how consistent referees are, and, you know, they, they never change their minds and stuff like that. I think that's a penalty last night because there was no... His, his arm's in his natural position, I suppose, but it is away from his body slightly and there's no intention to pull his arm back. See, I, I think it's quite far out, me. Like, a few people said that in the pod last night. They went, oh, well, is it natural or is it not? And I'm like, well, I don't walk around like with, like, my arms inside, <laughs> especially not when I'm in a penalty area. So... For me, it was, and, and again, we did not deserve to go through. I'm going to reiterate that to any Luton fans here. I think it sounds like sour grapes. I'm just kind of more pointing out the inconsistency of referees. I think some would give that, some don't. Um, it, it was very easy to tarnish over Saturday, but I'm telling you yeah. now, marvellous Nakemba, or whatever he's called, should not have been playing last night. No, it's as simple as that. Well, the second so that was sorry. Yeah, yeah that's, and that was Saturday. It's easy to get over that because of the fact we've won the game. I felt at the time on Saturday, we could have done with a third goal to kill them off. That would have been an easier task had the fact he wasn't on the field. So in 180 minutes of football, where it defines your whole season, the referees haven't been great, unfortunately. I mean, that, that, one, that one on Saturday, he hasn't even blown for a foul. It's the most blatant foul, and he hasn't blown for it based on the fact that he knows he's got to give him a second yellow card. And that, that's disgusting. As a professional, you can't be making decisions like that based on, well, it's it's just maddening. Uh, and oh, yes, he's, totally, I, he's totally bottled it, 100%. And I mean, like, again, there's going to be people listening thinking it's so great, but it doesn't matter. Um, but I think these things going against as well, the, the players are obviously going to, be aggrieved by that on the pitch as well and we'll talk about psychology and stuff like that and I think look Luton deserved it for the better side of the two legs um, especially last night but I do feel that you know as, as players you've got to maybe even give them even more credit for the fact that they've faced even a bit of more adver- uh, even more adversity there sorry and, and those decisions that have obviously gone against them and when things like you know you, you think you've got a blatant penalty just after the other team scored doesn't go for you that, that you know ticked in my head like hmm Okay, is it going to be one of them nights? And that that can translate sometimes to the players as well. Definitely, yeah. It's I don't think we're going to mention enough as the as it goes on. We're always going to be biased towards Sunderland because that's our club. Uh, but there there is there will be people out there who who are neutrals who can surely understand what we're saying. It's not as if we're just pulling rabbits out of hats. Uh, the one thing I will give Luton credit for, especially last night, was they they took Pierre Equar out of the game. He yeah. compared to Saturday, they absolutely nullified him, and he he didn't get a look in last night. Uh, and because of that, that then took Pritchard out of the game. And yeah, it it was good from them. They they did a number on us, and kudos to them. It's annoying, isn't it? Because you'd maybe want to have played hindsight and everything like that. I I still don't think Luton get to the Premier League, unfortunately for them, and this isn't sour grapes, because of Wembley being a bigger pitch, because it'll suit the style. 
and they won't be able to close down as much as that. And we saw that at the stadium light on Saturday. I do, we saw I, the... I do want them to go through for what it's worth. I've got now against Borough, got loads against Coventry, <laughs> and they've got loads against us. But I've got now against Luton, really. So that... I'd like to see them go through. But yeah, I kind of agree. It's the way their play suits can almost work perfectly, which is weird considering how good they've been away from home. Because yeah, yeah, that sort of tight pitch is is, is odd. But I I think look, this is one thing I, I don't really want to come on to, Dave. To be honest, and it feels like this is changing rapidly, frustratingly. But I don't know where we'll be this time next week when we do the season review. All the stories come out this morning, bizarrely, that Moby might not be manager next season. Um, I've made my feelings quite clear on that. I don't think we need upheaval. I think he's done a fantastic job. I think he needs backing, not sacking. Um, but the way he's turned me around from where I was at when he first got appointed, it's just testament to him and, and the way he's got the players playing. I think he's a perfect man at the perfect time and, and Sunderland really get the uh, the benefit of that. Some people seem quite calm about it in the progression plan and they seem all right with that. I've got to be honest, I'm... I'd rather have stability with with Mowbray. I really like him. I don't think he's a manager that will keep us where we're at. I think he'll progress us. I think the players obviously bond to him. But um, look, it's it's not something I can control. I would just say, you know, if there is anyone from the club listening, I'm sure they're not. Please don't sack him. I don't think it'd be the right idea. But what are your thoughts on it, Dave? Have you got a differing opinion? Is it okay that succession plan side of things? Is it normal for us to be looking at other managers, or are we being a bit a bit daft? It's it it's hard. Uh, it's it's hard for anyone surely to want them out. It, it's and and I suppose the one thing the club have got to be very careful about is and, and they'll be they'll be they're obviously their D and D out. They have to gauge the players' reaction. If if they're gonna if they're gonna get rid of Mowbray in and and some of the names being touted by the way are probably quite exciting appointments in some some parts of the football and world. Um, not that I think there'll be much that we know about them, but they have to gauge that if they do get rid of Mowbray, will the squad still have the same togetherness and fight for each other if he's not there? Now, I suppose we went from Alex Neil to Mowbray and he carried on that because there was almost that element um, but it's very easy to, to come together in the face of adversity because Neil did us dirty effectively so that was probably quite an easy pick me up from Tony Mowbray now Tony Mowbray has done nothing wrong exceeded expectation I suppose I mean he even said himself he didn't think we'd have enough to get into the playoffs because we didn't have enough experience within the squad so the fact that that's all come together, if he gets moved on, how are the players going to react to it? As a as a fan, I don't know. I, I, well, listen, we've just finished six, and and I'm I'm buzzing with the season. A little bit deflated from last night, but I don't think it was Tony Mowbray who lost us the game last night. Um, so it's hard to. It's hard to want them out when we've exceeded expectation, and he was the one in charge for what eighty five percent of the season. Uh, 
Probably more. Left with yeah. Nails four games in. I mean, cat categorically, Dave. I do not want him to go. And look, I don't speak for everyone at all, but um, from the reaction this morning, it feels like a lot of people feel the same way. Like there's just no, there's there's, there's no reasoning for it. Um, I understand that, and I think Chris from Wiseman say put something which was actually quite a good devil's advocate way of looking at it and saying like, has Sunderland's progression plan moved forward? I think the answer with that is definitely yes. So with the progression plan that the the management and uh, Harvey and Speakman and, and KLD have, do they now see it as they need someone who's definitely going to get us promoted next season? And you know what? If it works, fair play, I'll give them it. But I don't think there's any reason why Mowbray can't. Look, I know he hasn't done it often, but there's been caveats to just about all of them. Um, But he has got promoted to West Brom. Probably the one time he was... Well backed. He did a really good job at Hibs. Um, when he was there, he got them to third when they had the like Scott Brown, Kevin Thompson, and all these young lads there. I think when when the combination and the um the portion mixed together is perfect for a Tony Mowbray side, which it seems to be at the moment. He's someone who can get you out of the division when you're in the Premier League. Then you know you you do what you do. Um, we're not there yet. We need to get there first, and I don't think ripping up the carpet and putting in, I don't know. What to me seems to be in no offense to the guy, um, a football manager regen, a 34 year old coach that hasn't done much as opposed to someone with all this experience in A, this division and B, with these players, just doesn't seem like the right choice to me. But again, we're not we're not in charge of any of this. Um, it's not controllable. So I guess from my side and your side, we just hope that that, that doesn't change. Unfortunately, another thing we can't really control, um, it's the fact that Ahmad's obviously not going to stay. Um, I think the the hope we had was that he was going to, we might get promoted by by Coogan. We haven't been. Um, obviously, we absolutely love him, and I think the feeling's very much mutual. And uh, it's a that's a lovely feeling, but it started dawning on me in the last five minutes when it looked like we weren't scoring. That's probably going to be the last I, I see of Ahmad. But rather than moaning and being sad about it and crying into me, uh finding me juicier. He's probably been one of the my favourite players, if not over the past few years, you know, in maybe over a decade. Um, I know we played at a higher level in my lifetime and had players that have done it in the Premier League, but I've got no doubt that Ahmad will do it at the high end of the Premier League. Um, but how high does he rank up for you and just in terms of favourite players over the past you know, few years, few seasons, past few decades? Right up there, right at the top of the list and, and clear by some distance, I think. Um based on the the consistency of the block. It's uh, apart from the odd game where I have no doubt in those couple of games he's been burnt out, as we were as we were told, uh probably carrying a little bit of a knock. He's been immense. By far and away, one of the best players I've seen in the championship, and I've obviously seen quite a few. I don't think I've missed any game watching any game against Sunderland this year. Um, so I can't think of of many players who have done it more consistent consistently than he has. And that second half on Saturday, when Mowbray told Roberts to get out of his space a little bit, Diallo was almost walking. It was it was impressive to see the ball at his feet. And it was just as if he was like having a kick about in the park with his mates. 
and we always say like prime Rooney and stuff like that. That's how they seem to play. It was almost like street football, beach football, however you want to describe it. I hope he goes on and, and has a amazing career. I hope one day we see him back. Um, preferably not against us, because with a great as well in the world of Lugo Nine, he ain't keeping up with him. <laughs> um, yeah, far and away. And, and I think what you said before about other players that we've had who maybe played at a higher level. Yeah, okay, they did play at a high level, but I don't think they reached the levels that he's reached consistently. And I think that's a bit like Sessegnon. Sessegnon was one of my favourite players, but he probably had two good games followed by six all right games. I think Ahmad has probably had 10 unbelievable games followed by maybe two seven out of ten games and then back up to another half a dozen nine out of ten games. He's he's just been a joy to watch. And uh someone when when you're trying to get new fans and, and, and how the generations develop, there's gonna be <laughs> if if people started becoming impressionable by Sunderland in League One with the likes of Lawrence de Bock, no offense meant, or Charlie Wyke. Can you hear us, Matty? Uh, sorry. Uh, then I, I don't think they'd be that excited or invested in it. I think if people have become impressionable this season and watched Ahmad Diallo play football, I think you'd want to go back week in, week out. Yeah, and, and I think the team has been that this season. I think, I think you've only got to rewind. We've been doing this podcast for about three seasons now. I think you've only pretty much got to rewind to what we spoke about maybe even last year. Like maybe when we got, I don't know, beat 5-1 of Rotherham or something, then we'd say like, we're worried about losing like a generation of kids if we don't go up this season because it's not fun to watch. It's not interesting. And I think, yeah, I mentioned his name, but going back to the appointment of Alex Neal all the way through until last night, I think there's been a team there that we can be proud of and most importantly entertained by. Um, You know, Roberts, even last night points when he's just like murdering players. And it wasn't even his best game last night. Diallo right up there. Um, I've got so much confidence in this team. And I loved the Roy Keane season. I loved uh, last season under Alex Neal towards the end. Obviously, I loved the Phillips and the Quinn years and stuff like that. Um, but it's been a long time since I've always felt confident of the 11 players on the pitch, not just given the role. We're playing well and entertaining us and being quality players that understand Sunderland. And I don't think that really changes in the summer. Um, and I think ultimately that's what the, the whole season gives me hope. I, I said, I think at Preston, when Millwall were three and up, I said, look, I says, will we finish sixth or seventh here? I've got hope like for next season. And for a long time, it felt like that was beaten out of me. And it's gradually came back since about February last year. And it's still very much there. Last night doesn't feel like oh God, typical something we went and got beaten duffed on the biggest stage. It feels like the polar opposite. It's like we got onto like a stage we didn't expect. We almost got there. We didn't perform as well as we could have done in one game and, and that done for us against a very good side who are very effective in what they do. And there's nothing much you can do about that. Um, do I go into next season thinking, oh God, no, there's no hope. Well, let me tell you what the next question is, Dave, before I let you go and then you can answer that question or make your own mind up. How much has our journey progressed this season? You know, we began the season saying we'd be anywhere between 10th and 15th would be great. 
We finished sixth with more injuries than most teams could cope with and more injuries that we've ever probably known in our recent history. Um, next season now becomes with right recruitment and, you know, a little bit of luck. Can we even look at going at the automatics as opposed to just, you know, going for the playoffs or having a good season? Or are we getting ahead of ourselves? And I think that question itself that I'm asking you right now shows you how much hope I have and how much last night has not knocked the stuff out of me and I don't think out of the fan base. Yeah, uh, in <laughs> it, it could well be a it could well be a funny one, couldn't it? Because are we? Yeah, are we getting ahead of ourselves? However, the the expect we we can see the we can see the dynamic between the squad, and if we keep that core, I think that type of dynamic stands you in very good stead. Uh, so, so that's the first thing. On top of that, I I've got an expectation based on that, and and I genuinely think that we will be up there challenging if we make. I suppose you can only go off logic, and I suppose football defies logic sometimes. Um, but we've overachieved this year in. Okay, it's a. I'd say it's a tough division, but not a. Maybe it's not the best of of all time, um. But it's a tough, even playing field, and we found answers to questions with at least half a dozen injuries, big injuries. How how can you not be? How can you not feel as though in the games that were tight, where we've drew two all with Watford, where we've where we've when we've absolutely battered Preston and just come away with a draw, all these games that that are there, with those six huge players within the squad, if they were fit, do I think we would have won them games? Do I think we'd have finished higher up the table? Yes, I do. So I feel as though if they're back next year and added to with a bit more quality, then we we should be competing because that's what the logic tells me. So yes, I, I think we're challenging in the top six all season, but football's bit me in the arse plenty, plenty of times to make me think that I could be completely wrong. Yeah, of course you can always be wrong. We don't have the crystal ball, and uh, Mystic Megs passed away sadly, so we haven't really got uh, any options to give her a call and let us know if we can maybe be right or for the lottery numbers. But um, I think yeah, I didn't know all that. We we'll talk about the big injuries. We we'll talk about Evans, Stewart, Ballard, Bart as your kind of your top four. But there's also Alexa Lehaj, who was on the Golden Boy list last year, who's ready to come through, and he's going to have a preseason to settle in. He's looked all right when he's came on. Obviously, you can see he's very raw. He's going to need time to settle in. Benetti was just starting to look pretty decent um, before he got his, his dislocated shoulder, I think it was. So there's extra stuff to come and a summer of recruitment, which, and I have been one of the most critical of the models. I have to say they've earned enough credit in the bank with the signings they've made. So I have no doubt that what they do in the summer will have very similar in terms of what they're going for. And if it works anywhere near as good as it has done this season, we're in for a really exciting season. But but ultimately, Dave, you know what? Like I've now been through three playoff campaigns through this podcast. Every year I've done the podcast, we've had playoff campaigns, uh, campaigns, um, com- campaigns. Um, last year was euphoric amazing the year before where we got beat off uh, Lincoln sorry was 
barbaric and awful and felt sickening. This one's kind of not even close to being in the middle. It's closer to the euphoric with a tinge of sadness. And I think ultimately this season we'll dig into it a bit more when maybe the emotions are a little bit less raw because uh, it is at the minute. It's been a bloody brilliant season and I'm so pleased, so pleased with what we've done, how we've performed, what we've looked like on the pitch, the manager, the squad, every single player and what they've produced this season. And I couldn't be proud of each and every one of them. And last night's result doesn't change that. I just think, get those fixtures out, get me back in that stadium and let's get promoted next season. Agreed? Yeah, massively. Um, I thought that little little speech there was just about the, the boys on the podcast and that's about how, how well we've performed all season. We've been brilliant. <laughs> we've been we have been superb. The the seventh best Sunderland podcast has performed exact no, the sixth best podcast. Yes, we've performed exactly like the team. We've jumped, we've jumped a place behind the other five podcasts and we are sitting proudly within the playoffs. We're not quite not quite where we want to be, but we're getting there, Dave. <laughs> oh, yes. absolutely brilliant. Yeah, and, and I think I think if people go back and um listen listen to the uh, to previous years when we've been a little bit despondent and stuff i i don't think there's too many shows this year where you won't have heard us or hopefully hearing in our tones of voice how much we've enjoyed it and that comes down to the football club and giving us hope giving us not just hope, but but actually seeing attractive football with a pride, a passion, something synonymous with where we are all from, um, and and long may it continue. I think I've loved it. Um, we always take the pee out of each other and the pee out of the podcast, but we have all loved it. Um, when I made the April Fool's in, it was finishing, and everyone ended up being like, "No, that was like really nice to hear." Um, because we we love doing it. You know, we don't care about. How many listen, how many subscribe, whatever, we're not bothered. Um, that's just not what we're like. But we have loved doing it for you. And I just want to thank people for, for making it feel nice and feeling like it's worthwhile because uh, we love chatting every week. Me, Brad, Ross, you know, Dan, Phil, when they're joined as well, and other other people that come on. We all love doing it. So, um, you know, stick with the lads first and foremost. And if you want to stick with us, we'll, we'll take that as well. Thanks very much. 